All right, we welcome you on into a Friday Locked On Syracuse podcast ahead of the Virginia Tech game on Saturday. We'll get you to Bunda's Digits prop shot for that, but we've got to start out with the news that came out yesterday. Jesse Edwards out for the season. Sort of hit us upside the head. Really a heartbreaker there. We'll talk about what it means, the lineups going forward, and everything like that. All coming up on the pod today. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome on in. Thank you for making us your first listen every single weekday. Tim Leonard, Tyler Aki here with you. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. You can get us wherever you get your podcasts. And we're free and available on YouTube now as well. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the like button if you are watching On YouTube. So Jesse Edwards comes out Thursday, kind of late morning, Ty, that he is out for the year. Fractured wrists, probably going to sideline him five to six weeks. And first reaction, I think, is just total bummer, right? Because he's having one of the better seasons we could have imagined from a Syracuse center in a while. And we're trending in the right direction. Four game winning streak. And now it kind of feels like the wind is sort of out of our sails. So one thing that I think Syracuse has really been given the benefit of over the last, really since the final four run back in 2016, health has been impeccable for this program. I mean, you think back, that final four team started the same five guys every single game. That's, if that's not a good luck, a good, like that, sometimes you need luck on a final four run. And I would say, the ability to start all five guys every single game, that's luck in your favor right there. Um, even like looking back in some of the pieces that have been dinged up, like sure you've missed an Elijah Hughes for a game here or there, but nothing like this, nothing that's been earth shattering to this degree. Some people will tell you Barama for a little bit, but I, I don't think the Barama loss is as big as some people maybe made it out to be over the course of the, the last five or so years. This is yeah, I mean, I, I would push back on that a little just because at the start of what was it last year when Barama played four minutes and then was out for the entire season, we expected him to be a you pretty solid to be there, option. But it is nothing like the impact that this is making. Jesse Edwards, you are losing one of your three best players on the team and a guy who has taken a significant leap year to year. And you wanted to see that development continue to play out because as good as he's been this year, there's still a couple extra steps to take. And I look at what Jesse could have accomplished the rest of the year. It's disheartening to see a guy who's playing so well. I mean, talk about a guy who's beloved by the fans too. I mean, right. the Jesse chance when he checked out of the game, um, what, what game would that have been? The not Boston college before Boston college, um, the Louisville game, when he checked Louisville, out of the Louisville yeah. game, uh, you hear the Jesse chance throughout the dome. It felt like Marek Dolezal all over again. And to see him go down for the rest of the season, just really sucks, man. I mean, he was playing so well and, he, he's in the conversation for most improved and now you can pretty much kiss all that goodbye. Yeah, it is a huge bummer and I'm totally with you. I think for the most part, the injury luck has been good and Syracuse has always been sort of one injury away. The one thing I will say, it became sort of a topic on Twitter yesterday. Oh, that's our MVP. That's our most indispensable piece. I don't totally disagree with that. Now I'm not taking anything away from what Jesse Edwards has done. I'm a very big fan of him. But to me, if we lose Buddy Beheim, 
then you yeah. really fold up. Like the season's totally over because of the guard depth in particular. It feels yeah. like that is the position where we just simply cannot afford to lose a starter. I guess if you lose Gerard, then Torrance is playing. That's fine. But if you lose Buddy, he's the team MVP. As much as I like Jesse yep. and as much mm -hmm. as I get what people are going for there, like I saw some notable writers and stuff tweeting out that Syracuse's most indispensable player that is now injured. And I mean, to go Jim Beheim, like if we don't have Buddy Beheim, then we don't win 10 bleeping games this year, right? No, like you're right. He's, he's the MVP. I'm, I'm with you there. I, I totally agree with that. You, you can't take away what Buddy's done. And maybe it's because of the nature that he does it from time to time. Like we talked about over the course of the four game winning streak, how he's averaging 20 points, but he's maybe overshadowed by some of the other performances that we've seen from guys like Cole Swider. And uh, of course, Jesse Edwards too has been fantastic during the four game winning streak as well before he broke his wrist. And now we probably see a little bit why he only played 13 minutes in that game as well. Uh, if health had to have played some sort of factor in that, I'd imagine as well. And I know his wrist was taped up after the game. I think Matt Park tweeted that out yeah. too, but no one really made anything of it at the time. Um, you're right. I would say in terms of Jesse, like, you feel most confident in his backup, I think, of any player on the team right now, just because, mm -hmm. A, the numbers are thin to begin with, and, B, Frank's played pretty well lately. I mean, he hasn't been putting up gaudy numbers, but for a backup over this course of this four-game winning streak, he's given you some spot performances, too. And I think that the drop-off will be there when you go from Jesse to Frank. But I don't think it'll be as steep as we maybe would anticipate if, say, a buddy got hurt or Cole Swider got hurt, something of that nature. The drop-off won't be as steep, but it's still going to exist. And the thing that happens after that is at the center position that has been plagued by foul trouble all season long, what happens when Frank picks up three quick ones in the first half? Yep. Right? Like, then you find yourself in a lot of trouble is it going to be Jimmy going to the five? Are you going to see maybe a little John Bull at the five? Are you just going to see them go mega small at times? Like you're well, going to need Barama. I think that's what will happen. Well, is it going to be Barama? Because he's had his chances to play this year and he's only logged eight minutes the entire season. So, yeah, so I mean, just from hearing what Jim Beheim said in his coach's show last night, that makes me more confident that it is Barama. I would have guessed that Jimmy at the five would have been the option going into the coaches show and before I heard his comments throughout the day, but he said stuff like, I have no reason to believe that Frank and Brahma can't hold it down. And, you know, Jimmy, we might play a little bit there. And he's kind of said that same message about Jimmy at the five throughout the year, that it's not ideal. And they give up a lot on defense and we'll get some good numbers in a little bit from Anthony DeBundo on how they play offensively and defensively when Jimmy is out there at the five position but he said something like Barama 15 minutes is what I'm expecting going forward. So I expect Frank's going to start. Frank's going to play until he gets into foul trouble. And that's my big question mark. And then Barama's the backup. And if Barama's not playing well, if that doesn't pan out, then you're looking at the smaller lineup probably. Um, in the Barama camp, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. That's where I'm at right now because he's had his opportunities to play. We've seen games where Frank got in foul trouble and Jesse got in foul trouble, and you could have thrown Barama in there for a couple of minutes. We've seen a couple lineups with Jimmy at the five. We've seen some lineups too, and like they've played in a lot of blowouts lately. Wouldn't that be a time to get Barama a little bit of run? So, so I, I agree with you totally, and then he, Beheim brought up a good point. He said, 
Barama has told me he doesn't want to go out there for two or three minutes. He's not the type of player that can make an impact in two or three minutes. When you haven't played in a while, you have to be in there to be in there for six, seven, eight, ten minutes and actually get your feet wet a little bit. So he said that we haven't used Barama because we're not going to use him for two to three minutes. Whereas now you actually have a backup center spot that is open and probably you'll use him for extended time. That's my thinking. Well, what's the That's effectiveness what... then? Like if he doesn't want to go out there for two to three minutes, like does he want to play? I, I, he wants I, to I'm just play. Yes. I mean, I'm not sold on it right now. I, I'm really not. It's, I'm, well, the whole Barama experience has been a, a very strange one over the last couple of years, and I get it's health, right? Um, but I, I'll believe it when I see it with Barama Sidibe out there on the floor. Do you think we will see Frank shine in this role? Because, again, I'm so worried about the foul trouble, and I yeah. think we even touched on this earlier in the week, so it's kind of funny that it's sort of coming full circle now. I believe that Frank's a solid option but I just don't know if we're going to be able to see him play 20, 25 minutes. It's going to be kind of the same conversation as young Jesse, where he was getting in foul trouble all the time as well. So I'm looking at his per 40 um, this season. He's averaging over six fouls per game. So I would say, I, I think Frank, give, putting him in a starting role, I'm excited. I'm in, intrigued to see. I shouldn't say excited. I'm intrigued to see what it looks like because he's kind of gotten spot minutes and sometimes the hook is quick with him too. So I'll, I'm intrigued to see what happens with Frank in that center spot over an extended period of time, because I think when he gets a little bit of run out there, he's a great rim runner. He's a guy who can catch a lob for you as well. I'm excited how he meshes with some of these guards too. We've seen a little bit of chemistry with him and Gerard at times, and he is a power center too. He's going to go up and dunk on guys. Jesse was more of a finesse center with his offensive game. So it's a little bit mm -hmm. of a different dynamic here. I'm, I'm intrigued in terms of um, do I trust him to stay on the floor? It's a wait and see game. I'd probably lean. No, I'd probably yeah. lean. No, but again, he's going to get extended run because there aren't a whole heck of a lot of options behind him. Now it's almost like the, he's going to have a very long leash, I think. So that's going to be, Exciting to see how he sort of uses that. All right, we'll get into the lineups going forward, how the rotations might shake out tomorrow, and get some really good numbers from our guy Anthony DeBundo on how the team has fared without Jesse in the lineup so far this season. First, I want to tell you guys about Bet Online because they have you covered this season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march to the playoffs right up to the big game. Next time we talk, we will have known the winner of the big game, and BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. Not just football, BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates on current games. Don't wait. This is a great time to take advantage of all these new amazing offers because I'm sure some of you are thinking about that big game. Go to BetOnline. It's where the game starts. So let's actually throw it to our guy, Anthony DeBundo, right here, because I want to react to some of the things that he discusses in this, some of the interesting numbers on Jimmy at the five, on when Frank is out there versus when Jesse is out there. He did a good job. Here is our guy, Anthony DeBundo, with DeBundo's Digits. The numbers you need to know. Anthony DeBundo breaks down the biggest stats for this week's Syracuse matchup. Everybody! Debundo's digits. If you ain't taking stats, stick the f 
out the class. On the Locked On Syracuse Podcast. I'll just Where you at? Let's go. Well, the nation's second shortest bench is unfortunately even shorter now, and I have no idea what Syracuse is going to do to replace Jesse Edwards' minutes. We might see the three-guard lineups, but here's the data I have so far on the Frank lineups and the no-Frank and no-Jesse lineups thus far. For starters, let's go into the minutes that neither Frank nor Jesse has been on the floor. That's been some Jimmy Beheim at the five, some John Bola Jacques out there. Neither have been in the game, and Jimmy Beheim has been in the game. The Orange have 101 total possessions, so it's a little over a game and a half of a sample. So it's pretty small, but that sample tells us the Orange have an adjusted defensive rating of 121.4 points per 100 possessions allowed. Now, if you were to line up every team in the country based on defensive rating per Ken Palm, that would be the worst in the entire country per 100 possessions. There isn't a single defense in the entire country that bad. They allow 78% two-point percentage at the rim, 64% two-point percentage overall. That's a major red flag signal. I don't quite buy into the numbers in that you know specificity because of the sample being so small, but the clear signal is really, really bad for this defense without Jesse Edwards in the middle and when Frank is also not on the court. So those are only those minutes. But Frank has played about 20% of the minutes this year for Syracuse on average, uh, and the defense has actually been better with Frank in the game compared to Jesse. They're about 4% better at guarding the mid-range and 6% better at guarding the rim when Frank is in compared to Jesse. They force a few more turnovers per possession, uh, and they force uh, a rebound a little bit better as well. Here's the thing. While the defense improves, the offense gets worse by quite a bit more. The offense is 12 points per possession worse offensively when Jesse is not on the floor and Frank is on the floor, and that drop-off on offense is bigger than the difference that they make up for it on defense. But what they do in the non-Frank minutes is probably going to be what's most important here because they can survive with Frank. They'll be a little bit worse, but what happens when he's not on the floor? What happens when he gets in foul trouble? Those are the big questions that we're going to have to see on Saturday against Virginia Tech, and this is a matchup nightmare. I spoke last week why I love the matchup against BC because BC can't shoot and they don't guard the three particularly well. Well, Virginia Tech is the exact opposite of that. The analytics community has been staunchly defending this Virginia Tech team despite their poor start to the season. The metrics like Ken Palm and Bartovic really like them. And things have started to turn around for Mike Young's squad. The shooting was always going to positively regress, and it has. The Hokies are second in the entire country in three-point percentage. It's no fluke. According to shot quality, the Hokies generate the second-best catch-and-shoot looks in the entire country, and they are third-best in looks off the dribble from beyond the arc. They get a ton of open threes. They use ball screens. Compare this to a defense that ranks 289th in percentage of unguarded three-point attempts. That's Syracuse. The result very much comes down to what kind of day the Hokies have from beyond the arc. They've been red hot, but unlike Wake Forest, who struggled against zones and relied on transition to generate points, couldn't really shoot, uh, this is a very different matchup. Virginia Tech is a snail. They are happy to play in the half court. They don't need to turn you over to generate offense, and they can shoot the lights out of any gym in the country. The Hokies have done much better against zones as well. VT does play really slow. They won't get to the line much. Syracuse doesn't foul because of its zone a ton, and Virginia Tech doesn't really get to the line. But 
The Hokies also rank pretty high in ball screen usage, so I'll be interested to see how they match up with that against the zone. Pretty hard to screen the zone, but should be able to get multiple different guys in that high post area and then pass out of it. They have a lot of guys who can stretch the floor and who are pretty able passers, so their assist numbers are pretty good. Uh, Virginia Tech defensively, also not a great matchup for Syracuse. Why? They guard the perimeter pretty well. They're top 40 in the country defensively at preventing open looks from three, catch and shoot. They're top 100 against off-the-dribble shooters. They're top 30 at guarding the mid-range. Where does this VT defense weak? Well, it's at the rim. They're outside the top 100 at the rim, and they're outside the top 100 on pick-and-roll defense. But without Jesse Edwards and with Frank and Joe not being quite as familiar and comfortable running that, I'm not sure Syracuse can really exploit that. That was going to be their biggest matchup edge, and now they don't really have that with Jesse out of the game. Even the most elite jump shooting teams don't stay hot forever. Shooting regression will come at some point for the Hokies, uh, but I'm not sure this is a matchup to slow them down. Don't be surprised if this game is lower scoring than you think, though, if the shots aren't quite falling, because it very much will be played in the half court. And if turnovers are way down and both teams are forced to play in the half court, my look is going to be toward the under, but overall, a really nightmare matchup. And now without Jesse, a pretty bad spot as well. For Syracuse. All right. Thanks to Anthony DeBundo, as always. It is a nightmare matchup against Virginia Tech, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But some interesting numbers there, to say the least, about when Jimmy is out there. And Jim Beheim has admitted as much that the defense is definitely hurt. He counters by saying, well, it allows some more openness, some more free-flowing offense, puts Jimmy in a good spot. But to me, I think we will see some Jimmy Beheim against Virginia Tech at the five. Because Virginia Tech's a smaller roster in terms of height. Their tallest starter, I believe, is like 6'9". They're more of a shooting mm-hmm. team, more of a perimeter-based team. And I don't know if we're going to see him a ton, though. My big concern is when you get deeper into the schedule, UNC, Duke, where you got Armando Baycott, Williams, some of these bigger yeah. bodies down there. That's where you just can't afford to have Jimmy Beheim out there in terms of a rebounding and defensive perspective. You're 100% right there. It's not going to work. It's it's going to be a night. And those are centers that can put up 18 points and 15 boards. Like, they are physical dudes that can attack you on the glass and put back shots, too. And that's just not a recipe for success with Jimmy Beheim down there. And I get what Jim Beheim's saying when he says it opens up the floor more. And I totally agree with that. But that only matters. And I'm talking from an offensive standpoint here. That only matters if you have guys that are going to drive the the lane. And this team just doesn't have a lot of guys right now that are going to put their head down and get to the basket. So how much of a benefit is it really going to bring you if you have Jimmy out there on the offensive side? Like, sure, it spaces the floor out, but then you need Samir Torrance out there because he's the only guy that's going to tuck his head down and try to get to the rim. You don't see Buddy try to go to the rim. You don't see Joe try to go to the rim. None of these guys are doing that right now. I don't know. Maybe will it help Benny out a little bit? Potentially. But I think you'll just switch some matchups around too. Like think about a Duke. You're going to have probably, if you stretch Jimmy out to the five and have him playing on the perimeter a little bit, guess who's guarding Benny Williams? Mark Williams. And that's not <laughs> going to end well for, for a guy who's already losing a lot of confidence with uh, with the way that his offensive game is going. Yeah. I wonder if we see any Cole Swider at the five, if we see any John Bull at the five, because they have hinted at some of the coaches that they're experimenting now with different lineups and it's going to take some time. You have to at this point. You don't have a choice. And, you know, I think Barama is interesting because Jim Beheim seems relatively confident in him, but he's also saying stuff like, 
you know, I think he he will make an impact. He's been practicing really well, but we won't know until we see him in that first game because it has been pretty much two years since he's played extended time in a game. So that's an interesting question. One thing that, not to try and find a silver lining because this is crushing news, but if Frank plays a lot and Frank succeeds, maybe his chances of leaving in the portal after the year go down. Like, I don't know. It's not. I would almost I, say the opposite might be true. Because if, if this yeah, is audition right. time, like, right. and, he, and he balls out, like someone's going to say that's a starting like a caliber center room. for me. Yeah, you think of that angle. That's a good point. I mean, it could work in the opposite direction these days. But on the note of Benny, I think a lot of people are encouraged that maybe Benny will get some more minutes now. It's definitely not going to hurt his minutes. And if anything, you no. probably get some more. But I don't know if it necessarily changes a ton in terms of his minutes because – even if they do throw a forward back at the five spot and we see Jimmy play there or we see John Bull or Swider or whoever, they could just put Buddy at the forward spot as well. And I think that's right. part of the reason why some of the numbers that DeBundo is talking about are really bad because it's not ideal to have Buddy on the wing with Cole Swider as well. I mean, you're, you're hurting the rest of your defense in the other spots too. So it's kind of a compounding effect, but I don't necessarily know if it means more minutes for Benny, unfortunately, what's happened here with Jesse. One thing that you bring up with Buddy on the wing, as, as deficient as he can be from the defensive side of the basketball, one thing that he brings to the 2-3 zone at the top is an unteachable, and that is height and length. I mean, he's a 6-5 yeah. player playing at the top of the zone. Those are kind of ideal uh, metrics that he's you really want. Like six, six. Yeah, yeah he's really. Big. like. He, He's a big guard, and that's part of why he he thrives on the offensive side, and that's part of why he maybe gets away with some stuff too on the defensive side as well. Um, the quickness isn't at the level that you'd want it to be, but think about some of the guards that have been really good with this Syracuse team. They've been 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guys at the top of that zone that have really helped bolster that, and they've used that to their advantage on the defensive side. Um, so, yeah, no, that certainly is not ideal. I think – you're right. If anything, it maybe bumps up Samir's minutes a little yeah. bit because we'll see a lot more of the three-guard lineup, um, which certainly should excite you and I. Um, one more Frank thing that I wanted to hit on as well. Um, when you look at what he can bring from the offensive side of the ball, I'm wondering because, again, we talk about him in the foul trouble so much. He's got to be smart on the offensive side. And we talk about how he's a power center too like he plays physically on the on both sides of the floor you cannot afford to pick up any offensive fouls none if you're going to pick yeah. up fouls make them happen on the defensive side and they're probably going to happen on the defensive you cannot afford to pick up fouls on the offensive side you cannot squander those by trying to back your way down and playing bully ball a little too much and i wonder if that's something the coaching staff's going to tell him too because it kind of it works when you when you're the backup right like, it works then. You can afford to pick up an offensive foul in that regard because, well, the starter is is the guy that you're coming in for, so you don't necessarily need as much, Frank. You can let a, an offensive foul go by the wayside there. At this point, there's no margin for error. You've got a history of fouling on the defensive side. You cannot pick up any offensive fouls in this game. Just none. That's a good point. The other thing that's sort of interesting going forward is do they change the rotations or the responsibilities in the zone because Jesse was covering the corner and I'm talking not so much with when Frank's out there. I think he can do that. They were fine with mm -hmm. him doing that. But when you get into a Barama or a Jimmy back there or a Cole Swider, 
are they really as well equipped as Jesse Edwards to cover the corner, which was already a thing that fans right. were criticizing. And I get that because it's a huge responsibility to put on a player. Yeah. I would imagine you have to. Yeah. You, like, you have to. Parama can't get out there right now. Jimmy can't right. get out there right now. There's no feasible way you can play this defense and not change the, the assignments and the, the shifts and the shells of it all. There's no right. way you can't do it. And I, I would imagine too, if you do see Jimmy and, and Brahm at the five, expect to see a lot of that one, one, three, because you're going to have to change up the look in some regard to try to take some of the stress off of Barama. Yeah. All right. We're going to get into the Virginia tech matchup, do our prop shop, makes our picks in just a second. It is that time of the year, though, that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Built Bars are somehow covered in 100% real chocolate, taste great, and somehow good for you as well. You go to Built.com, scroll down their macros chart, you'll be blown away. They're high protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Just take an example Built Bar here. Most of them contain... 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So these are somehow still tasting like candy bars, but they are healthy for you. I don't know how Built Bar does it. I don't mess with the science. I just trust them because they are one of my favorite go-to snacks that are actually healthy for you as well. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15. And get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So diving into the prop shop here as we get ready to make our picks for this game, which I think is the more I've looked into the matchup, the more I feel like this is a dangerous matchup for Syracuse. I know I was all aboard the seven-game win streak train, and I thought this was the tough one that they'd probably still get. But losing Jesse as well as Debundo head on yeah. that, it could have been a big Jesse game. Yeah, especially with the size mismatch that you were going to have in this contest. I, it just goes to show and furthers how important he was because there is a lot of times in the ACC even. I know you're not going to see it against Duke and Carolina, but Jesse stands above the rest from a heights perspective. Like, yeah, I think people underrate the the power of a seven foot center in this conference. Right. And it, like, it's not the big 10 where everyone's seven foot at the center position. This is a perfect example of you're going up against a guy who's six, nine, you're going to have a major height mismatch there. And with a guy who's got a finesse game like Jesse, that is tremendously important. Right. All right. So first off props to you last week, you hit Cole Swider. I had Joe Girard to be the leading scorer. So we we're both kind of around it, but you hit Cole Swider a plus four ninety five. My last so Four leading yeah, scores. Yeah, you're, you're kind I'm of on back a roll right now. And that I'm so getting back all into of a sudden it. my lead is less insurmountable. I'm sixty-two well, it's still over a thousand dollars. Like, yeah, <laughs> don't but, sell yourself you know, short here. You hit another cold swatter, and I'm I'm starting to sweat a little bit. I mean, it's getting <laughs> getting to be a conversation. Uh, you're down two twenty-five. I'm up nine forty dollars wise on the year. We'll start with this one: Virginia Tech, second best three-point shooting team in the country in terms of percentage. They make about. Nine and a half a game. Syracuse is allowing about 10.7 per game. So an outrageously high number, but I think it's warranted. Virginia Tech over under from threes in this game. We'll set it at 12 and a half. 
I don't want to take the over, but I think I, I have to. I think I have to. I mean, you're installing – I'm not saying you're installing a new defense, but it's a new personnel group that's going to be out there for the bulk of this game. And that doesn't bode well for a team that's been sloppy with rotations and slides all season long. You have to go with the over here. Yeah. I think I'm with you. I'm going to take the over as well. They're going to jack up a lot. They have like five or six guys that can shoot it. They They're went shooting off like 43% in, in conference play. Like, yeah. There's guys I mean, off the bench that are capable of hitting six in a game. You could say they enter on a four-game winning streak. Two of those are against Pitt the last two games, which is sort of weird. One of those was rescheduled. But you could say, all right, they're due for some negative regression shooting-wise. But is that going to Couldn't you say the same Syracuse? thing about Syracuse's three-point defense, too? Yeah, that, <laughs> that's the whole thing. So I don't think this is the game where Virginia Tech gets that. So I will take the over with you. Next up, Barama's minutes. This will be interesting. I'll set the over under at 12 and a half minutes just because Jim Beheim hinted at 15 would be a number. I'm going to take the over because I don't know. I mean, at the same time, I think Virginia Tech's the one game where he'll go under those minutes. Then going forward, we might see more of it. So I'm torn. I'll take the over because I feel like you're probably going to take the under. Yeah, I'm going to take the under here. I don't have a, I think he'll see the floor. I don't think it's going to be for extended minutes. And, and let's not forget, too. He's a guy that gets himself into foul trouble. I mean, he can work some magic here in four minutes and pick up three fouls. So right. I'm, I'm going to take the under on Barama's minutes. All right. As for who will lead Syracuse in scoring, we unfortunately have to chop Jesse off this now. It shifts the odds a little bit, but we still have Buddy as the favorite, minus 145. Gerard plus 350. Jimmy plus 350 as well. Swider moving up to plus 400. I guess I'll just take Buddy. I mean, I, I don't have a great feel for this game. I think Virginia Tech's three-point defense scares me a little bit, but it's interesting because usually I like Syracuse when they go up against offensive-minded teams, and that's definitely what mm -hmm. Virginia Tech is. Their defense is outside the top 100 in Ken Palm. They're right around 110 as of us recording. But I don't like the fact that they have some history against the zone they don't play fast, and they just have ways to shoot over top of it, even more so than a normal year. Yeah, this is uh, – I'm I'm torn here because, yeah, it kind of feels like it could be a, a buddy performance where, all right, you lost one of the soldiers, someone's got to step up, and it's buddy, and he goes off for 28 points in this game. It certainly could be something like that. Um, but I'm going to go with Joe Girard here. I think right. this could be a game where he sort of gets loose – especially with a three-guard lineup, which I'm anticipating we'll see a, a good amount of in this game. Let him work at the two a little bit. I'll go with Joe Girard to be the team's leading scorer. All right, as for picking the game, Ken Palm has it 77-71. to Virginia Tech win at home. Tech has not played since Monday. They're well-rested. They're playing really well. I think, if anything, this Virginia Tech team is probably underrated. Syracuse, it's just a nightmare matchup, as DeBundo laid out. And then the fact that it's the first game without Jesse Edwards, first time to maybe incorporate a Barama or try and change up the rotations. I just don't like the feel of this now. Even though I was bullish on Syracuse making a run, I think the Jesse news really changes that for me. So I'm actually going to take Virginia Tech to cover at home. I'm with you. I mean, this is absolutely debilitating what he brings both offensively and defensively. Like there, I'm trying to think through the lineup, like nobody impacts the game on both ends of the floor more than him. 
and to lose him for the season right now and just the character that he is for this team too, I think it's just too much to overcome. And when you've got a team that is able to shoot the ball at the clip that Virginia Tech is, I mean, shooting over 40% from three during ACC play against yeah. a, a really bad defense that just got worse with what they have now, I I can't take anything besides Virginia Tech in this game, especially with them playing at home. Yeah, I could see a lot of corner threes from Virginia Tech in yeah. this game. That, that'd be my worry. As for the over-under, 148, I feel like the inclination at first is to go over because it's two offensive-minded teams, two teams that have been shooting well. I think we could see some negative regression from both teams, and then Virginia Tech plays at such a slow pace. They're 343rd in the country in tempo, so I'm actually going to take the under. I'll take the over still. And part of it is I, I do think that even though Syracuse, we've kind of brought up all this stuff of, yeah, like it sucks Jesse's out and, and the heads might be hanging a little bit, but they're, they've been playing with nothing to lose the last couple games. And I feel like this just sort of builds on that mentality as yeah. well. Like, no, Jesse, like we still have nothing to lose here. So I'll, I'll take the over in this game. I don't have a good feel either way, though. I probably wouldn't play it for real. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I was a little surprised. I thought the number was going to be a little bit higher. So I'm still going to take the under, but probably wish it was a little the bit higher. The pacing stuff, you're, you're head on right there. I think that's yeah. a, a big reason why. Right. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up the week here on the podcast. We'll be back with you guys Monday after the Virginia Tech game, after the Super Bowl. We'll discuss how this team fared without Jesse Edwards and no games next week. So a lot of time for us to talk about recruit, at least in the middle of the week. Next week, we'll talk some recruiting, maybe get an interview good time to subscribe to the pod because when there's not a lot of games that's when we can really dive into some topics that we like to talk about going forward for the rest of the season so enjoy the weekend enjoy the game and we'll talk to you guys on monday